All right, Victoria Gunesh, welcome to the podcast. How are you? Good, thanks. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I appreciate you doing this on Sunday morning for both of us. So thank you. Yeah. Sunday afternoon, actually, for me. Ah, oh, that's right. You're right. You are ahead of me. That's right. Yes. Uh, how's how's your, how's your Sunday going so far? Good, slow. I just turned back after training camp. Finally got home. Happy to spend some time with my family. Just slow living right now. Nice. Well, I'm I'm talking to you today because I'm interested in swimmers from all over the world, and uh, you have an interesting story. Everybody's got their own story, so I kind of want to find out about yours. Um, so in terms of just an overall background for people that may not know you, tell us a little bit about yourself. So um, I'm 24 year old uh, breaststroker. I represent Turkey. My career started actually in Ukraine. I'm originally Ukrainian, but uh, I moved to, um, to Turkey when I was 15. And uh, since then, I represent uh, Turkey. So I don't know what exactly you are interested about my my story. Um, I am double Olympian, both uh, Rio and Tokyo. Um, recently got medal, gold medal in European Championship. My first uh, senior gold medal. So. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, that's, there's a lot there. We can unpack a lot of that stuff. So in terms of, um, growing up in the Ukraine, when, when did you start swimming? Why did you start swimming? So I started swimming when I was six and my mom is a swim coach. So I started early and, uh, she, she was kind of influencing me to swim because she was coaching all the time. And I was all the time with her in the pool. So I started with my uh, school. Um, I was going with my with my school to swimming pools, and um, yeah. So I started when I was six and thirteen. I made it to the team, Ukrainian uh, national team, and then uh, fifteen. Uh, on, when I was fourteen, I went to my first senior world champs. So and then it's all started. Big sport. What's it like to be coached by your mother? Is that something that is just normal for you or did it feel unusual? Was it difficult for you? So it became difficult when I grew up actually, because mm. uh, when you're young, you don't understand this. Uh, even it's I, for me, it was fun to have my mom at the pool deck and just, you know, she, of course we had to, like I couldn't call her mom. I had to call her by her name uh, uh, in the pool. But still, it was it was fun. It was I I love to spend time with her in the pool. But then she stopped coaching me when I was like when I was when I got into these big sport, you know, like high performance sports. So she was not coaching me. And then uh, for a lot of time, I was coached by other people. But then. We actually tried to 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 swim together, uh, but it was difficult. I already grew up. I already knew maybe some more than her. So, what was your mother's background in swimming? Was was it just uh, you know was she a technical type of coach or was she just more on the on the work side of coach? She's very technical type of coach. So uh, she was doing lawn freestyle and breaststroke. 
actually similar what what I do uh, on the races. I do breaststroke. I I train a lot of long freestyle, but I I do not perform it uh, on the meets. But I can because she's coaching right now, and I can see that she's really technical coach. She mm. gives a lot of technique to her uh, to her kids, a lot of drills, and uh, they do really swim swim like nicely and and with the good techniques. Yeah. Now, when you moved at 15 to Turkey, did your whole family move or was it just you? So my whole family moved. My okay. mom and my stepdad, we all moved together. Right. Is, is there any reason why, why Turkey? Like, why did they choose Turkey? So we actually got into a situation that before, as, like, before we moved to, to Turkey, we were based in Crimea. And... Uh, the reason why we moved, uh, it's because Crimea, we had all of this process of referendum and Crimea became Russian, right? Mm. So we left Crimea and next day we didn't have connection on rail, uh, railway and no post, uh, uh, you know, communication with two countries, Ukraine and Russia. So it was really really not a good situation and it's just my family couldn't see any any way but just to move to another country because everything was just so uncertain in kiev well we we had like a revolution and everything so turkey we just got a proposition from turkish national team and uh, turkey was it is relatively it's very close to ukraine just across the sea so we just felt that Turkey is the best option. Wow. So it sounds like you were almost like uh, refugees at one point. Is that correct or not so bad? Uh, I mean, not as bad as right now, of course. But I, I'm sure it's like, yeah, we kind of were feeling that we have to we have to leave because we just want to to be in safe place. Mm. Wow. Now, do you have brothers and sisters as well? Uh, I have step uh, siblings and uh, some cousins. I'm only kid. Mm -hmm. Wow. Was it difficult for you at that point in time as a 15-year-old to make that kind of move? Oh, yeah. I mean, I cannot say that I was super excited to leave uh, my friends and some of my uh like my grand grandma, I was really close with her, and uh, that time it was a very big move. And I think I was adjusting for for a few years. Definitely, it's not easy to move to another country, especially to another culture. It's different language. I didn't have as good English to communicate even with anyone. So for one year, I basically was, uh, I was staying silent because I couldn't even use uh, as much English. Wow. So why, why do you say English? I mean, that's not the number one language in Turkey, right? But is it just more common there? Uh, yeah, it's more common. And still with English, you can, you can communicate ev everywhere. So in Turkey, that time and still until now, I, I have a lot of friends that speak English. English, they know Turkish, but uh, I don't know. My around around me, I I was I was in uh, the national team, so 
kids know English there because they go abroad a lot. Yeah. I'm always interested in learning another language. Uh, is it too late for me? Like I'm 47 now. Is it is it beyond me? Or like how would I go about learning a language at this age? <clears throat> I cannot tell I'm only 24. And for me, it was, uh, I cannot say that it was easy. I mean, English was much, much more difficult because English I was learning for 15 years nonstop. And then I just started to communicate and I could actually use some language. But, you know, it was just such a long process because I was a kid. You, I, don't, I don't think that I could even learn it any faster. But Turkish, for example, I got to Turkey and first year, of course, I was like, OK, I want to learn this language. And um, but I was not as enthusiastic because I was realizing if it's going to be the same as English, maybe should I just stay with English? So I was more like putting putting attention to English. So my English got better. But then Turkish, I was getting Turkish anyway, like from my friends or from TV or from some shows. So in the national team, I was I was learning a lot of Turkish from guys. So so but then after end of these eight years, right before COVID, I, I just decided to take Turkish lessons and kind of make all of that knowledge that I got from uh, from the streets, basically, into some like grammarly nicely based sentences and mm. it actually have like a good uh, good skills so yeah I, it kind of was a slow process that took eight years but I actually at the end i got the level that i kind of comfortable with yeah i don't i don't know if i'm committed to that type of time frame i, I think you need to live in the country that you're trying to learn the language yeah, I would definitely yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's that's number number one, uh, like that's the fastest way It's to be surrounded by native people. Yeah, yeah, exactly. How do you feel now? Um, do you feel lucky that you, you got out of Ukraine or are you torn knowing, you know, you have a lot of family and friends, I'd imagine, still uh, going through this whole process right now uh, with what's going on in, in Ukraine? How do you feel about that situation? um first few months were terrible when when war just started i was feeling completely i i was going through all of these phases anger and then i was feeling um sad and then i was thinking that it's unfair that someone is going through like that intense process they're not just leaving because they there might be something but they're leaving actually from war places from hot places so I was uh, really upset and uh, yeah, I follow like a lot of my friends actually stay in Ukraine until this moment, mm. but some like my family members, for example, a lot of them left, they fled to Europe, some to Switzerland, some came to us to Turkey and stay with us. So, but I can see how hard it is for them, especially the ones that are in Europe. And they they mentioned that I cannot understand how I cannot imagine uh, how difficult it was for you when you were moving. And because I'm going through all of this right now, I see how like how much work and how mentally it's difficult just to change your country and decide like live somewhere else. So yeah, but you know now they they 
try to find a safer place and but they still miss home so much and yeah. from, from my own experience i was missing ukraine for first two three years mm. yeah i mean it, it's one of those situations now where in america we heard a lot about the war early on you know when it first was going on but we very hear very little now and that's kind of sad in a way that we're kind of out of touch with really what's going on here now and so i'm i'm really not even up to date with the situation there uh do you, is it is it too emotional for you to stay connected to it like every single day yeah absolutely so first few months i was super involved into going through all the news and read a lot of stuff and watch videos and everything but it is uh, like but then you cannot connect with swimming and actually think about swimming in your career and you have to i had to stop doing that i had to kind of go out of that constant browsing uh, because it is difficult but war still goes on and a lot of my friends they wonder is it actually going on or it seems like it's just stopped you know yeah it, it it's like it it is pushed on the background right now yeah. uh, we all see that we all feel and in ukraine as well a lot of people in ukraine talk that okay it seems like everyone thinks that we are we are fine right now, but it's not like this. Uh, bomb, Russia is still bombing Ukraine every single day by 40 rockets, you know, going into the towns. They still leave with the sirens every single day. Mm. So they still have this mental pressure on them. Yeah. We individualize training in the pool, so why not individualize your nutrition? Erica Barney of Barney Wellness Building will help you and your swimmers get exactly what each athlete needs through genetic testing and personalized nutrition plans. So stop guessing what you should and shouldn't be putting into your body. Athletes within a few weeks have noticed they're recovering faster because they're fueling their body with what they need and staying away from what their body hates. Erica understands swimming. She gets it. She's worked with over 20 Olympians, including the fastest man in the world, Caleb Dressel. Group discounts are available, so go to Biney Wellness Building and get in touch with Erica today. That's Biney, B-E-I-N-E, wellnessbuilding.net. Swim Angelfish. Swim Angelfish is an online certification program that strengthens your teaching curriculum to serve swimmers of all abilities. Swim Angelfish will prepare you and your instructors with the skills to teach swimmers with autism, physical disabilities, anxiety, sensory and motor conditions, and more. Learn to teach skills faster and with more comfort with Swim Angelfish. Apply for an only alpha pool product scholarship and receive up to 50% off your certification. Go to swimangelfish.com today to apply. What about for you? Is it, is it difficult to not judge every single russian like i'd imagine if i'm australian so if we're at war with another country i would imagine it would be difficult for me not to just put every single person from that country in a situation where they're against me i don't know is that is that the mentality or is can you create separation there i think i think um so i think it's very 
um, normal for to have the first uh, reaction like this. Because when you see these uh, scenes of these terrible scenes, yeah, you 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 want to blame everyone, yeah, and Ukraine and Russia, everyone, you know, mm. because so but right but after some time you change your opinion to like i have some russian friends even still even though i lost a lot of friends just just it's terrible to realize how many people just just left like i i don't have them in my life anymore some breakups were really painful and um but i still have some people but you know what? I also got a lot of uh, feedback from Russians that were uh, like, they're really pro-government and they do really think and and they accept these these uh, actions what Russia is doing right now for Ukraine. So yeah. and then and it's a really big amount of people, to be mm. honest. Yeah. And, yeah, you swam. You swam for Energy Standard for a, a period of time there as well. So, and and I know that they had a lot of Russian athletes. Um, was there a divide between the team at some point there? I mean, uh, of course, you know that some of our team um, members were going to this. Um, to this event that the uh, Russian government was 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 making, right. and they were standing there with the um, under the names of, you know, under the names of all of these horrible people, under the words that Russia is fighting with the uh, fascism and stuff in Ukraine. You know, so everything that is happening in Ukraine, they were accepting it, and they came there as public figures first of all. And they use sport and they use these athletes like public figures. So, and, and you know, and when you see these people that were sharing food with you, you know, that were spending uh, Budapest, uh, just, you know, bubble life. And then they were, uh, they were in Naples with you. And now they're just smiling there, chatting like nothing is happening when your friends are in danger, when your friends are, have to sleep underground because they're scared about in bomb shells, you know. So it is, it is, it was very upsetting. And we were not all connected together. I tried to reach to some of those athletes, mm. but I didn't get any, any even message back. So wow. yeah, that was really upsetting all of this situation, I would never think that I'll be in this position with, with some people. Yeah. Yeah. It, it seemed very, um, split, you know, when all this happened, it seemed like there was definitely a divide straight away. Even, even in the swimming community, I could feel a divide. Um, but more so for you, I guess, for, for like I said, for being part of an international team that had a lot of Russian athletes, you know, how many, seasons did you compete for energy standard so from the beginning from uh, season one i'm with energy standard so three seasons in a row wow wow so here you are you know holding a trophy up on, on season one with with all these people and then now 
now a lot of you don't even talk to each other. That's, that's, that must be difficult. Yeah, for sure. Well, when I, when I moved to America, one of the things I had to do was not so much leave my Australian identity behind, but I had to embrace the American system, the American values, uh, the, the American culture, right? So now you're, you're living in Turkey. What, what is that for you? How did you embrace the Turkish culture? So I cannot say that I embraced a lot of Turkish culture because I was moving with my family. We were we still have our own, uh, um, you know, our own traditions. Right. But uh, I, I cannot say that I really embraced a lot. I really enjoy Turkish food and I speak their language and I have a lot of Turkish friends. But um i also my most of my friends are more international and they for example study abroad so they don't have as much ties like turkish ties and, and things yeah i mean you you also represent turkey at international competitions right so is there generally a team of you or is it a, is it very small when you when you travel internationally it depends if it's world championship or european championship we can have a really big team but Usually for some for some meets like Marinostrum or Settecoli in Rome, I we will go just maybe few few guys, few few people. Yeah. So was it was it weird the first time you put on a Turkish cap or a, tur a Turkish uniform? Did it feel strange for you? Yeah, of course. I I mean, um, I was very young to uh, to to realize a lot of things, but of course, I mean, I was, uh, I really, I, I love Ukraine a lot and uh, I love to, to, to swim and uh, represent Ukraine. So, and uh, that, that was a big, um, that was a big step for me. And maybe because I was as young, I could not understand as much uh, that pressure that was on me you know? Yeah. Now you said you're a breaststroker and you had a lot of success in the 200 breaststroke very early on. How, how did that success come about early? Uh, so I was, so my first world champ was a uh, championship when I was 14 and I was doing breaststroke since then. So it was just, uh, I was always doing breaststroke. And then um, it was just developing and, and developing. I mean, I'm breaststroker and also I am I am I am her at the yeah. same time right now. Which so. which do you prefer? Do you prefer the breaststroke or the I am? For now, I prefer prefer I am. I had some, I got some, you know, kind of. I got too much breaststroke before in the early age, so right now I just prefer to switch strokes more, you know, and have the, and 2am, for example, is fun for me. How would you describe your breaststroke? Because when I look at breaststroke, I've said this many times on this show, there's so many different variations of breaststroke. Everybody has their own unique style. So for you, did you lean more on a natural style for you? Or were you trying to look at somebody in particular and, and copy what they were doing? I would never do that by myself, but I know that some of my coaches, especially 
when I had coach from Ukraine and from Russia, they were they were looking around and they were kind of giving me some technique that oh look she's doing like this so let's let's do the same you know like she's catching her she's she's doing she's pulling this way or her kicking is uh, like like this big or like this uh, small you know so but i cannot say that i personally would do that and i would recommend someone to do like i do no but there're definitely some base uh, for a good technique and some physics that you have to follow some rules of physics that you have to follow to move in the water faster so i more i would like to say that i in my breaststroke i try to find the fastest way to move through the water because in breaststroke you can catch a lot of drag in your kick and if you pull somehow differently so my technique will be based more on 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 these aspects that's interesting. Tell me about that then. So you're you're basically talking about reducing drag, increasing speed. So when you're playing with your technique, what are the things that you notice that you're trying to tweak? Where where do you do a good job and and what are the things that you're you're working on? I really like to do breaststroke uh, on the when you count your strokes. So mm -hmm. distance per stroke, it shows wow. a lot because if you do few 50s you can try a lot of things. So if you do, for example, eight fifties and uh, each time you try to keep the same stroke, but for example, increase the time, then you kind, you have your brain have to find out what to do to swim on the same strokes, but faster. So then you can push more on the kick, for example, and prolong your, your glide. Uh, and uh, like, maybe you need to kick faster or maybe catch the kick and then do it slower you know so it's kind of all of this mix of mix of thought that's thoughts that i'm going through when i actually try to swim as, as fast and as uh, energy um you know saving when you save right. energy right so you're you're less you're less on the side of the high tempo you would say and more on the side of the longer lankier distance per stroke yeah absolutely i'm not i i was never a sprinter and I'm quite tall. I'm I'm 182. It's like six foot. So I'm tall. And I was never this, you know, like fast. So I will be like fire, you know. No, I'm more slow. So my, so the biggest success I got is in uh, 200 breaststroke, which was super long. I was doing like 14, 15, 16 strokes, you know. So it, I had like almost three meters uh, distance per stroke. Yeah. When you're trying to increase that um, that speed, that holding speed, what is what's a, what's like some workouts that you do where you um, are increasing your speed endurance? So um, speed endurance. You mean it's like for hundred and and stuff, right? Well, maybe maybe for the two hundred where you're where you're holding a certain pace, right? And um, and you're just repeating that over and over. I think for 200 kicking is very important. So I do think that uh, kick sets like play a big role for good 200 for, for myself, for example. But then for in general, I think like 50s, what I, what I go, I have to keep some time, you know? So 50, yeah. 50s mostly. Now, I understand uh, we, we just lost someone really important in, in the swimming world. Um, 
Stefano Nuro, is that is that how you say his name? Yeah, Stefano Nuro. Yeah. yeah. Uh, did you get a chance to work with him? A lot, actually. He was there from day one for me. And what, what did he do for you? What was the type of work that you guys were doing together? He was, uh, he was there during competition and during training. So I was, I was changing coaches and here I was working with Ukrainian, uh, with the Russian coach, but Stefano was always there. He was coming with his, like a lot of equipment, tons of cameras. And he would just record and he would communicate with the coach, but he would communicate with me as well. That was mm. the most important thing because he was communicating with athletes directly and he was sharing, and he was listening, you know, because coaches, some coaches can be very pushy on something. If they think that that's the way you have to do, you have to do the same way. I don't know. I just, I was just coached by a lot of, uh, people that were pushing me to do something. They were not giving me as much freedom. When Stefano was always listening what I feel, what I think, and then he would give his, his own feedback and we would work from that. Um, yeah, so there, was a huge, um, there was a huge outpouring from the swimming community. I didn't know him personally, but I just saw a lot of the messages worldwide uh, in the community. Such like a positive, uh, heart open person you know it's just he, he arrives to the training camp and first thing that he will do is that give you a hug you know he will just hug you he will ask how are you doing how's your family how's your loved ones you did you start dating anyone or something you know he's italian he's very warm and uh, um he, he he was we like because he worked a lot with exactly turkish national team i'm sure we lost a really big personality mm. that day. Yeah, I mean, from what I understand, he, he had leukemia, for those that may not know, but uh, but it, it happened very quickly, like in terms of the diagnosis to when he passed just a few days ago. Yeah, I mean, he he passed uh, three days ago, so it's, it's been three days as he passed away, but even Two weeks ago, he was still traveling. As I know, he was in Greece. He was uh, again working. I don't know with exactly who, but he was in the training camp in Greece. And then he turned back home and he started. And he he thought that it was just warm there. That's why he was not feeling that good. But then he turned back home and he still was feeling not 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 good. And I don't know. He just got then to the to the hospital and yeah. I don't know. I don't know how that could happen that fast. Yeah, it's a big, big loss for Turkey. Big loss for the swimming community. So, um, so well, what's next for you then? Like, what have you got coming up? Is it towards the end of the season now? Yeah, we have final week. We we will go in few days. We will be going to Konya. It's a city in Turkey where we're gonna have Islamic games. Um, so I will be together with Turkish national team. Okay. And what are you aiming for there? What are you swimming? What events? I'll have a lot of, a lot of events there. So I'll have all breaststroke, 200, 400. I am all the relays. So it will be easy five days. Wow. Okay. And then vacation time, maybe? Yeah. 
finally, yes. Yeah. Any plans for a good vacation? So, yeah, actually planned a solo trip to Barcelona. Nice. I've been to Barcelona three times, but it was always for some competitions. I didn't have a chance to actually be a tourist there. So yeah. I'm excited to go around Barcelona, see a lot of uh, museums and uh, a lot of architecture. I want to go to some um, places around Barcelona for some nice coastlines and yeah, I'm excited to go. And then uh, I want to spend some time with my family, of course. Uh, so right straight after Islamic Games, I will turn back home and I will spend four days just, just with them. Uh -huh. And then, you know, for the bigger picture for you, for swimming, like what are your long-term goals? What do you want to get out of the sport? So I'm aiming now for Paris 2024. It will be my third Olympic Games. And uh, I don't know, to achieve the, the highest, you know, for example, I, I never made it to the final. In Rio, I was ninth on 200 breaststroke. So final would be great. And yeah. Is there, is there pressure and expectation from inside, you know, the Turkish Federation or, um, you know, do you feel, where do you feel pressure from? I don't feel pressure from them. They are very relaxed about my my being in the Turkish national team right now, to be honest. So they are just, they're focusing on their, oh, I don't know, on some of their own things. I'm, I cannot say that I'm pressured by anyone. I got to the point where I, I was about to quit swimming so many times that I'm just, I really, I know that I do it for my, for myself, first of all. And then, yeah, of course, I want to, I want my, my parents to be proud of me. I want to see them cheering for me in the Olympics and actually be satisfied and happy. So, and they will be happy just for me going there. And that's the most important thing, I think, because if, uh, for example, maybe Federation has some pressures, uh, pressure on me, but I just do not realize it, you know, and <laughs> that's the key for me, I think. Oh, that's good. I mean, I guess that's the way you perform best is where you don't think there's any pressure and you just race. So what about outside of the pool beyond swimming? What, what do you think you want to do maybe with your life beyond this? Have you had a chance to even think of that? We, I, I'm sure we all think about it, but it's like how, how much you can think about it and uh, do not actually hurt your actual like career right now at the moment. So you can think about, I, I can think about something, but then it's like, you have to do some, you have to, you have to make some actions to try yourself and you don't have just time for that, you know? So I'm just focusing on swimming right now. And of course I'm trying to imagine myself doing something, but I'm just, I'm just about to finish university and got a degree. So after I do that, maybe it will be easier for me to try some, some jobs, maybe some internships. So I, I don't know for now it's swimming for now. It's, just enjoying to be an athlete, to travel the world, to meet new people, make friends, you know, and be there because athlete life is just so short and it's so unique. I can see, like, I have friends outside of, sw of, of swimming or any sport and they have that adult life, you know, when you go, when mm. you go to 
job from nine to five and then you you kind of have these these every day is the same you know when in swimming when in sport it's not every day is the same it's like you do something something fun and exciting especially when it's competition for example yeah. and not always like this positive about competition but it is very fun to race and go somewhere and you know the after the race especially when you uh go when you swim fast and you swim good that's the feeling that i know from now on i know that i will not be able to feel it anywhere uh, except sport except being an athlete that's true i can tell you that that's a fact so keep doing exactly what you're doing for as long as you can because uh listen you you think you're first of all when you're young you think you're going to live forever and then as you get older you realize you're not but but also, um, you know, you, you think this, this, this feeling you have is just something that's going to carry you in your life. But I, but I agree with you, like even your ass assessment of your friends working nine to five, I'm sure a lot of them would love to live the way you live. And it's, it's exciting traveling the world, meeting new people, racing all these different countries, experiencing different cultures. That's what I really love about swimming. Swimming opens up the world for you. So uh, it's a beautiful sport. Is there any country that you haven't been to that you still want to get to yeah australia yes Definitely. yes australia it's just it's just so far away mm -hmm. that it will be the first time if i'm gonna go wor short worlds uh that i will be experiencing uh, australia yeah. yeah i'm excited to go there it's different i'm very scared as for the bugs <laughs> <laughs> but i'm sure it will be fun uh there are a lot of bugs just probably not in the city where you're going to go i think the world short course is in melbourne is that right um yeah I, I'm, I'm not sure right now i think so so uh it, it's a it's a beautiful city one of the most beautiful cities in the world and um yeah definitely try and get there if you can if the, if the turkish government will pay for you to go and race then i would say do it because yeah it, it's a great city so um well, listen, uh, Victoria, I appreciate uh, this, getting to know you more and uh, interesting life story, interesting career so far, and, and good luck with everything in the future, okay? Thank you. Thank you. Okay, take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Destro Swim Towers. Gain strength in the water with a tower of power. Save $150 per double swim tower by using code BRETT, B-R-E-T-T, -T, at checkout. DestroMachines.com. Vasa has been the go-to training tool outside of the pool for over 30 years. Vasa's products are ideal for developing power and proper technique in your swimmer's catch. Add a few Vasa trainers to your pool deck and it's like adding an extra lane to your swimming pool. Go to VasaTrainer.com, use code BREAD at checkout and get 10% off anything from Vasa.